You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers today. So let's get started with Bryce from Escanaba into Moonlight. Stop playing with him! Stop playing with him! Bro, I didn't know Bryce was Rashawn Gary. <laughs> Holy crap! Dude, I think Rashawn just called in after the game. Like, he's in the locker room like, let me call this. <laughs> By the way, lifetime goal right there. I want a post-game call from a player in the locker room. Or even, you know what? Halftime. During the game, just calling him and be like, hey, man, freaking just killing him. And, and whatever, anything like that. It would be the ultimate achievement. Be a good, like, uh, retirement present. And by retirement, I don't intend to ever retire from doing this. I just mean I can't mentally do it anymore, and my wife's going to have to pry me away from this microphone because I'm just slurring nonsense into it. And so as a nice homage to the guy that's been doing this for, like, 60 years, call it. That got dark. <laughs> as my body decays, somebody calls in with pity. Hey, this is Ethan from uh, Maryville, Tennessee, man. Uh, What's up? it's been a couple hours since the game ended, but dude, that was a that was great, man. Um, yes. Doing love was slinging it, and the fact that we were playing at Detroit and we didn't have Wicks, we didn't have Jones. You know, there's injuries across our whole team. The Lions only have one player injured on their injury report. You know, there's so many reasons why we could have just you know thrown in this towel, made it like an excuse, and but we played so aggressive. And I don't know, watching that game, I see. Jordan Love throwing the ball, and he never feels like he's under so much pressure. He always feels like he has his head above water. Yeah. And he just has this this poise that I don't feel like... And that was one of the things I liked about him early on, is that he wasn't rattled by pressure. And then it felt like, you know, again, we had that stretch where the offensive line kind of fell apart, right? He was early in the season, it was like 20% pressure rate, and he's just tearing it up. Then the offensive line took a step back, and we started to see, like, the pressure reach into the 40s. And it felt like Jordan just broke. You know, like he started to panic and things started going. And then the offensive line got fixed, but he still felt panicked, right? Like, Jordan, you're good, dude. We're back into like the 30s, the, the low 30s, 20s range. Like, you're good. And then it kind of came full circle, right? The offensive line started kind of slipping again. We get back into the 30s, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with the 30s, but it's not like elite 28% pressure rate or something. And he wasn't phased. And then we had... Like his first bad day since that, I don't know, was it Atlanta or something? or New Orleans? I don't know. It was early in the season. 45% pressure rate. And you're right. He did not seem rattled at all. I mean, as much as you can be not rattled in a game. Obviously, you're running for your life or whatever. But, you know, just keeping your eyes down. It's like your, your body is, is panicked, but your head is just completely still in the game. You know, your legs are kicking. <laughs> your arms are pumping, but your 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 head is just scanning down the field like, all right, what do we got over here? Wish he would have done that. That sucks, right? Oh, there he is. All right, let me throw that. And then he just flicks this little sidearm thing. And it's like, oh, okay. 
freaking uh, whatever, dude. <laughs> freaking cheating out there. Every quarterback in the league has. You know, I think he's he's someone we can build around in this game. We're going to look back at this game and see that he's we our quarterback moving forward. You know, and this this is sort of an Eagles or uh, what, what was it, Chicago? I don't exactly know, but there there have been moments where everybody's head turned. And I think the Eagles game was kind of one, but it didn't really get national media attention. And then sometime, I don't know if it was off season or Chicago or what, there was a point at which the entire national media sort of in unison took notice. Might have been one of the preseason games. I'm not entirely sure. It feels like we've kind of crossed that threshold again. Now, we went backwards from there. You know, it could happen again, but it does feel, I mean, it doesn't hurt that it was the Lions and a national stage for everyone to see, and not everyone's bought in. And I think there are some fair points. Who was the, uh, who's the Vikings guy? I never remember anybody's name. Whatever. His whole thing was, this is evidence that the Lions aren't as good as you might think that they are. Which it's like, all right, fair enough, right? Everybody gave him crap for the, uh, the the Bears game, and then they get beat by the Packers. Maybe for a lot of people outside of Green Bay Packers fandom, the big story here is the Lions aren't as good as we thought they were. Which, you know what, to be honest, I like that story too. It's a good story. They're all good stories. There's no bad stories coming out of that game. But you're right, this does feel like sort of a pivotal moment for the team as a whole. Now, we'll see... You know, they have to continue doing this. And if so, then yes, this will be the game that we can all look back to when we all went, oh, he's good at football. Okay. Okay. But again, that there has to be, like, there, there's no more going backwards now. We can't do that anymore. No more, like, rough patches. I mean, you can have rough patches in, like, a game or two or whatever, but no more of this, like, I don't know. Maybe they suck. Maybe he sucks. Maybe, maybe LeFleur should be fired. Maybe. Watson is garbage, and maybe Dobbs should be, you know. <laughs> just just please keep going. Please. I mean, I feel pretty comfortable with him leading the way. Anyway, man, I just want to leave it short, but it was a great game. Good back, Bill. Appreciate you, man, and I appreciate everybody still bringing it back. Just just bringing it back. We're, we're Thursday right now at 443 Central Time. Jesse from Oregon. Um, so we're still fresh off that win. Hey, Ryan. Uh, I haven't called in a very long time, but... What's up, man? Welcome uh, back. Something that I think... Uh, I, I guess I, I just remember when you were breaking down Jordan Love when we drafted him. You had mentioned how his last college season wasn't overall that good, but that he seemed to get better as the year went on. Like, he was terrible at the beginning... And then by the end, he was actually really good. Um, I'm wondering if that's just his DNA. And we're kind of seeing that play out in this first season. Uh, I don't know if you recall what you had said, but um, I guess I was just wondering your thoughts. So I know when we drafted him, I did like two very long videos on him. I think one was him compared to Aaron Rodgers and one was just kind of a big Jordan Love breakdown. I don't remember that specific comment. There's only like little bits that I kind of remember having seen and said about him. Um, but I, I do know that I recently mentioned something similar to that, that there are certain players, and I had mentioned Eddie Lacy was kind of one of those. I remember one of the things that 
I would always do is I wouldn't draft Eddie Lacy in fantasy. I would let somebody else draft him. And then after about three weeks, I'd try to trade for him because he would have sucked for those three weeks and somebody would be tired of him and they'd want to move on from him. And I'd pick him up and he'd go on to be one of the better running backs in football. It was just the easiest fleece in fantasy football until everybody got wise to it. Some guys, that's just kind of the way they are. I mean, we've talked about Kenny and, and what he does and I guess we'll see. I would be a little bit surprised because I don't know that there are too many, especially quarterbacks. You know, running backs, I think it's, you kind of get used to getting hit and everything. I, I, don't, I don't really know, but especially when you're talking a half a season, I just, I don't know. Maybe if it's like the 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 pressure kind of gets you panicked or whatever, and it takes you a long time to really get settled in. Because I know that's a thing. We've heard Rodgers talk about it where it's like, you, you got to get hit to kind of, you know, you're kind of scared until you get hit. But usually it's like you get hit once and then you're like, all right, that's how that feels. I can handle it. We got this. Here we go. I'm not dead. Like I was pretty sure I might be. So, I mean, we'll see. We got a lot to learn about Jordan. I mean, it's especially since it's been so inconsistent, it kind of feels like we don't know anything about him. You know, we put a bunch of labels on him. Like he's a gunslinger. He's this, he's that. And you can kind of see it, right? He likes to throw the ball deep down the field for sure, which I appreciate as long as he can, you know, do it. Makes it makes the viewing experience much more fun, and it feels like he is a genuine Packers quarterback because he just feels like a guy that wants to win games forty three to forty two, and that's just the Packer way, man. But you know, there's a lot of little nuanced things that you kind of learn over time in terms of how they deal with certain things. You know what what happens when things break down? How does he respond? What happens when it's on his team? What what happens when like we haven't really seen him get chippy? I think he scolded Wicks once, but. You know, I, I remember, for example, like Brett Favre, when guys would get in his face, when you'd see Brett Favre get up in a defender's face, like sap or something, it was like, you guys are dead. Rodgers was almost the opposite. And you could say, you know, like when you do the belt, which is a Rodgers that you're dead. But in general, like if Rodgers got frustrated, we were going to lose. I don't know about Jordan. Not that he has to have a thing in that category, but th- th- I'm just saying there's so many little nuanced things that we don't know about him. I remember there was a point in time where like if you blitzed Rodgers, you were dead. Like, you just, you don't do it. And Brady, I think that was a thing through his, pretty much his entire career. Like, it was a bad decision. Because you're just giving him more guys out in space, and he was going to be able to confidently find and pick that apart. So you're better off just dropping guys and hoping somebody gets home with your four or something. But there's all these little things that we're going to eventually learn. And right now, it doesn't feel necessarily like learning. It just kind of feels like a thing that's happening that may or may not continue happening. So hopefully that's not a thing, because that's not really a super sustainable strategy. I mean, it might be okay if we can kind of start off slow and then be good enough to get into the playoffs and then Jordan's at his best in the postseason. I mean, that might actually be a great thing, but obviously it's not ideal to drop, you know, five games or something early and then try to have to battle your way back every time, especially since, again, the NFC is just kind of trash right now. You can flop in with <laughs> probably like an eight and nine record or something. That obviously isn't always the case. Happy belated Thanksgiving to everyone by the time this airs, but uh, man, is it a great Thanksgiving. I mean, it, just what a good day. I'm full of turkey and mashed potatoes and everything else yes. and didn't steal off like I was fully expecting from the Packers. Not only that, the Packers came out and dominated. I mean, yes, we got a little close there at I the agree. end, but, um, you know, I bite my nails a little bit at the end there, but we just dominated. I mean, I just, I would like to dedicate this win to Amon Ross St. Brown. <laughs> um, hopefully he knows the names on the defense now, um, because they were flying around today. And I think he gave him a little extra motivation to go out there and take him out. 
And I know I'm going to have to level at 95 yards or something, but I don't really care because a lot of it was garbage time and yep. whatnot. And um, our defense playing a little soft, playing the cock game. But, yeah, um, that was just, just a great day. I don't know. I just I have a lot of concrete thoughts. Like, I was watching it. Thanksgiving, everybody's over at the house. So I, I didn't get to watch the game as closely as I usually do. Um, but it just felt like a great win and a turning point for our season. And if we play like that next week, I don't see any reason we don't beat the Chiefs. I mean, it, I, I just don't see. Yeah, I agree. You know, I'm, I'm worried about the Chiefs' pass rush, but um, I don't know that I should be because the team is looking good. Everything is clicking. And they could still fall in another hole, but right now it's clicking, and I'm going to ride the wave. Go back, go. Yeah, I mean, I see the Chiefs and the Lions as very similar teams. In fact, coming into this week, again, DVOA hasn't updated, but the Chiefs are number three, Detroit is number four. So they are very similar teams. And, and you know, again, we, we, we tend to see, you know, Detroit as a powerhouse mostly because of their record and the fact that they're beating everyone. The Chiefs, it's, it's partially their record and partially their history. They've been destroying everybody for years and are doing it again this year. Why would we think anything's different? But again, if you look at it, this is probably the worst their offense has been. Let me, let me just look. I mean, just from a points standpoint, their offense has not ranked this low since 2014. We're talking, there were three years of Alex Smith that were better than this. They ranked 14th in points. They were 16th that year. I mean, if they slip a couple times in, uh, if they slip to even 17th, this will be the worst offense since Matt Castle. Because Alex Smith's worst season was 16th. They were also 6th, 9th, 13th, and 6th in the Alex Smith era. They're 14th right now. In the Pat Mahomes era, they've been 1st, 5th, 6th, 4th, and 1st. 6th is the worst. They're 14th right now. Now again, DVOA is not as bad, but also it's been getting worse. I mean, there is a very big difference sort of the first half compared to the second half. So they had all positive and, and... sort of largely so, 12, 24, 18, 25, 28. Then week six was their first negative. Then they had a big win week seven. Then they had a negative 42 DVOA in week eight. And then 4.8, which is marginally good. And then this past week, week 11, negative 5.3. They've had negative games in three out of their last five games. One of them was massively so. And only one big offensive performance. It was 54.2% DVOA. So that was like their best game offensively this year. And that's obviously a very, very good game. But the very next week, they had, according to DVOA, the third worst offensive performance. It was the Giants, the Raiders, and then the Chiefs. And then a big drop-off. And then the Jets. And then another big drop-off. And then the Bears. And then another massive drop-off. And it's the Panthers. How are you the Kansas City Chiefs, this elite top of, uh, top of the top offense, and you had a slightly worse week than Carolina, Chicago, and the Jets, and only beat out the Raiders and the Giants? How are you even in that company? By the way, the Packers were down there too, but that was their last negative offensive performance, all right? They've been good for three weeks. Shut up. Well, I guess probably four weeks now. I would assume this is going to be a positive one too. Anyways, but yeah, the, the bottom line is the Chiefs... They are a good team, just like Detroit is a good team. But there's also serious questions. I mean, it, this is so, I've said this now, I feel like 500 times, similar to last year. I remember last year we thought we had a pretty good team and then we hit a dead patch and then we came out of that dead patch. And then remember specifically after the bye, 
we started beating the living crap out of people. And that's when the defense also came to life. And we beat teams like the Rams, which we did here as well. And it was like, yeah, but the Rams suck and they got injuries. It's like, okay. Well, we beat Miami. It's like, yeah, Miami, he had a concussion. Okay. What about this one? Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. And there was all the excuses. That's kind of like this. It's like you beat the crap out of the Rams. It's like, yeah, well, the Rams suck. Okay, how about the Chargers? Yeah, but they pretty much beat themselves. Okay, fair enough. How about the Lions? Let's be honest. The Lions are actually, turns out they're not that good. Okay, how about the Chiefs? Well, you know, they're kind of, they're floundering. You caught them at a bad time. Bro, who, who can we play? It's basically either beat the Eagles or you suck. You beat the Eagles, 49ers. I mean, we thought the AFC was where the good teams were, but apparently not. I mean, beat, beat the Dolphins, maybe? I don't know. Certainly not the Bills. That wouldn't count. And the bottom line is, is, as bad as we might think the Lions are, um, or as much as they might be slipping, if you're better than them, you're still one of the top teams in the NFL. Even if they're slipping. Because there's, there's not many teams that are better than what they are, even in this slipping phase that they're in, which probably has been what they've been all year because they haven't really played any good teams. Anyways, let's take our first break. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast. We'll uh, come back after a short break and hear from Jersey Mike. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Jersey Mike. Uh, so, a little after the game, the Dallas Cowboys have just beat the snot out of the Commanders. That's awesome. Um, the alcohol is wearing off. The turkey's setting in. There it is. 
gonna go relax by the fire soon. Um, I was just thinking to myself though, you know, it was nice today. All three phases. Yeah. They all showed up to play. They really did. So I don't know if I've said it enough, but I'm real thankful for the Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go. On to next week. Let's beat the Chiefs. Yeah. And again, like I'm sure there are people that are listening to that, like, what do you mean three phases? Like we we missed an extra point and and you know, this guy sucked and that guy sucked. But again, it, it kind of just gets back to the overall theme that most people have had this week, which is, yes, there's some mistakes, but that was a solid win. And it was. All three phases did show up. You're right. We missed an extra point, and that sucked. That's brutal. That is a mistake, and it is a bad one. They also stopped a fake punt and did recover that onside kick. I mean, these are pretty critical things as well. If, if those go, go south, um, that's a problem. They, they were called upon in critical situations and came through. So yes, the kicker did make a mistake. That's not great. But the unit as a whole, I thought, played well and did enough to contribute to what felt like just an absolute beating of the Detroit Lions. Ryan, it's Kyle from Madison. Happy Thanksgiving, my man. I hope you and your family are well this year. Thanks for all you do. I want to, I'm going to make two calls here. Okay. And this first one is going to be an announcement for a few people. Okay? Okay. First, to the Lions fans, who generally speaking, I have been just fine with all y'all. I know some of you are listening. I think you've earned the smack talk you've got up to this point, and it's been very cordial, and I really haven't minded it. Up until this week, oh, I heard a lot, a lot of things. Now, it's not to say you should have been confident. Hell, I was confident in your squad. But I heard an awful lot of things this week. And I have to tell you, it really is a different story when you're the one on top, isn't it? When everybody's coming for you. So before you start chirping off about something that my team has been doing for 40 years, maybe, maybe you should get some receipts first instead of a pretty little record where you played nobody since your Super Bowl week one. And also, um, Hutchinson, I heard a lot about him in these two days leading up to this game. Did he play? I don't, I don't remember. Did, did Hutchinson play? I, I, I'm sorry, I can't, I don't really recall something about him being devoured by the right side of our line once or twice and maybe he watched somebody else tackle somebody and got credited for half of one. I don't, I don't remember. Um, so Lions, maybe, maybe calm down. Um, the other portion, the haters, in particular the love haters, I'm going to tell you right now, it's getting cold outside for you. But here inside the love tent with Kyle from Madison, it's nice and warm. Come on inside. If you want to lie and tell your friends you were in on love day one, I'll let you. But come on inside. There's plenty of room for you. You don't need to needlessly pound your head against the brick wall trying to hate something. That is ultimately going to be very good, okay? I've been telling you for weeks and weeks to be patient that this guy is going to be a baller. Y'all don't listen. And and love is, is it just keeps it keeps getting better, y'all. Keeps getting better. So I'm saying, don't fight it. Just get in the tent. I'm not saying he's going to be 
Rodgers or Hall of Famer, but this guy could really could be a top 10 quarterback, which let me tell you, if we get a top 10 freaking quarterback out of this, that is like nearly best case scenario. So let's be real. All right, I'm going to call back in one moment, but I needed to get those words in first. Yeah, I mean, you know, I haven't really seen a ton of it, although I'm sure that it's still out there, um, maybe a little bit on social media, but I'm trying to limit my time on there. I picked a fight for fun just because I haven't done it in a while, but I need to need to back away from it now. Um, again, the, the idea is people would be better off stating what they know, right? Because I think what happens a lot of times is we take what we know, what we're seeing, what we at least think we know based on, you know, how Jordan Love was performing up to a certain point, and then extrapolate that outward. And I did that, but I, I put in plenty of caveats that, you know, things could change. However, probably not super likely. But people get so invested in their claim that they made up, he's not going to be very good, that they can't let it go. It gets the, the way that they approached their disappointment with love, I guess, put them in a position now where they feel like they're on the outside. And that's why it's it's actually good of you, Kyle, to to be like, dude, I don't I don't care. Just cheer for the guy, and we'll move on. Like it's not a big deal because it does feel sort of adversarial, and people are like, well, you know, I don't want to come strolling back, because then people are going to call me bam, 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 bam. And 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 receipt pulling, by the way, causes this. We think we're real cute pulling receipts. The problem is it makes it harder for people who said, you know, Jordan loves trash and have been saying that for five years now to to just say, you know what, I was wrong, whatever. Because rather than just being like, hey, I appreciate you admitting that, welcome back, which people would mostly do, but it doesn't feel that way because of all the receipt pullers, which I have been at times, but usually it's just national media people. It's not social media nonsense. I don't care enough to do that. It's people that have never heard of my show. But the point is they're so invested and they feel so um, embarrassed, I guess, that they feel like the better option is to continue down the anti-Jordan Love thing, to find reasons why, to hang on to this for dear life, because this is this has been my identity for years, or at the very least for months. I think the good thing is a lot of that there's basically two kinds of anti-Jordan Love people. There's people who've been doing it since he was drafted that hate him and Gutekunst and everybody else with a passion, because how dare you do this to Aaron Rodgers and everything else, or whatever the reason is. I hated that. It should have been uh I even forgot the guy's name now. The uh, Bengals wide receiver should have been him. Eh, it would have fixed everything. You got that. And then there's another group, which is, I guess, kind of my group. Although, again, I don't really see myself as a Jordan Love hater. It was just calling it what it was. But there's a lot of people that just got to the point where it's like, you know what? I think I'm out. But it was such a short period of time. It's real easy. And we we're already seeing it with Packing It After Dark. People are like, well, never mind. I guess I was wrong. It makes it easier to kind of jump back on, you know, because it's been like a grand total of one week of saying, I just don't think this is going to work, man. But I will echo Kyle from Madison, but but in a more serious tone. Packer fans want Packer fans to root for the Packers. Bottom line, I know that these fights are are everything. And for some people, for, for I'm that way, get very invested and very angry in these arguments and, and conceding is just the most painful thing in the world. But you know what? That's how it goes. You know how many times I've come on here and said the opposite of what I said two weeks ago? It happens all the freaking time. You got to be able to let stuff go. Because, you know, be more interested in, in learning and growing and less interested in being right. Because if you're just focused on being right, you're never actually going to be right. Because the only people that are right are the people who are actually learning stuff. 
which is why people end up getting as angry as they do. And, and the super angry people are also some of the dumbest people you'll ever meet because they form opinions based on no knowledge and no attempt to even try to learn anything. And then they're wrong. And then they get really angry. And all they do is, is I mean, it's so funny. Like, I don't get involved in a ton of these things. There are certain Packer fans I've noticed um, on Twitter, for example, that it seems like it's their whole mission to call out bad behavior or whatever. And then there's like a crew of people that I've I've, I've occasionally poked my head in to see what the heck is going on because I'll catch a glimpse of it. And there's like this whole big thing going on. Like, what is going on over here? And there's like a crew of like really angry people that just say like really revolting stuff, like just blatantly racist, blatantly sexist. I will say they're generally the anti-Gudikunst crowd. I'm, I'm just saying. But it's like they, they've found this little corner of the internet where it's like, you know what? I just don't care. And being angry and mean and everything else has just kind of become my identity. It's like, don't, don't turn into that. I've become sort of like the anti-Packers Packer fan. Like, <laughs> the, I, I've, I've decided my, my identity is to be the villain. Packers fandom doesn't need the villain. Either root for the team or get the hell out. Seriously, because it's, it's, I want to enjoy this. If, if I'm not going to enjoy being a Packers fan, and yes, there is some frustration that comes here and there, but if it's nonstop whining and complaining, I don't, I'm not interested. This is not fun. I'm sorry, but I am so sick and tired of hearing about Brian Gutekunst. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of it. It's become petty and stupid. I'm over it. And honestly, I'm, I'm kind of there with Joe Barry, and that doesn't even mean people are wrong. It's like, do we have any new information to bring to the table, or have we pretty much exhausted this argument? I am a big fan of Brian Gutekunst. I'm not a huge fan of Joe Barry, although I'm not certainly as big of an anti-Barry guy as most people. That's where I'm at. I know where you're at. We've established this. Can we freaking move on? I'm so tired of everything has to turn back into, like, proof that I'm right. It's like, we have to relitigate this every freaking second? And it's, it's crazy because that's ultimately what this Jordan Love thing is. The Jordan Love haters, they don't give a crap about Jordan Love. They're Gutekunst haters. <laughs> that's what it is. That's what 90% of them are because they're still fighting that freaking battle. And they've been angry and hateful ever since. It's just crazy to me. Don't do that to yourself. If you're kind of new getting into this, you're trying to find your way, just even if you're full on into that, get out. Delete that Twitter account or abandon it. Create a new one. You don't have to be best buddies with if, if you don't like some of the content. Who gives a crap about them? I'm talking about you. I'm not asking you to make any friends. You don't have to be a part of the cool kids club. And maybe that's why you're so angry because you're not a part of the cool clique, which is just as stupid and embarrassing as, as actually being a part of some kind of stupid clique on social media. Anyways, psychologizing everybody aside, the bottom line is two main points. Number one, don't overplay your hand. And Kyle, to be fair, that, that goes in both directions. I'm just saying. I made sure not to step too far into the uh, Jordan Love's never going to be the guy camp. Just like I'm definitely not stepping too far into the I know he's the guy. Just, just throwing that out there. But number two, don't be too proud to step back in line. If you're wrong, you're just making yourself look stupid every single day that you refuse to acknowledge it. I understand not giving up your position too easily if there's still a shadow of a doubt. Fair enough. But at some point, the evidence is overwhelming. And if you are out there saying, yeah, but for Jordan Love, you're out of your mind. He might not be able to maintain it. That's true. But if you're not happy with his performance over the last, let's say, three weeks, probably closer to four, 
You're just being unfair. Hey, Kyle from Madison again. Go. Thank you for letting me get that off my chest. Sure. What you gotta do, this man. game totally reminded me of the San Francisco game. I, I, I've been struggling to figure out what year it was. I think, I, was it 2021? It was when nine had started for the first time, I believe. And we, it just looked like, no way. We'd gotten beat in the NFC Championship game. And the next year, they had beat the hell out of us down there. And then we're going back down there again the next year and nine and starting. And it just, you're thinking, how are they going to win? And they did. They won it against all odds. This reminded me of this, except this was a much more dominant performance. I, I, I just, man, I certainly didn't think they were going to win. I thought they could. I was thinking, eh, maybe 15% chance, something like that with the injuries. But holy cow. Let us start with the offensive line because this is, you know, the stick that stirs the drink in my mind. What a freaking day by the offensive line. I, I don't even know what to say. I am freaking speechless. They played that well. The defensive line, again, like, hello, so welcome back, Rashawn Gary. Welcome back, Kenny Clark. Holy crap. Can you guys freaking bottle this and take this with? Because unbelievable games, unbelievable games. I have to say, though, and let me, let me add, though, Joe Barry, Joe Barry, take a bow, sir. You get your flowers this week. You will hear nothing from me. That was, you coached your ass off with what you had. That was a freaking game plan of a lifetime. Jordan Love played amazing. The receivers played amazing. Honest to God, I mean, the only thing that I'm like, what are we doing? I didn't quite, I didn't understand the let's go, the going for it on fourth early in the game. Okay, if you want to say you're all gas, no effing break, okay, then you go for it there. But I hate the play. We tried that play how many times this year? It never works. But I get it. What I don't get is why you're going for two there. Maybe somebody can explain that to me. Because then, you know, it sets up a situation where at the end there, if they get the onside, you know, they're within seven points of winning. So maybe I'm missing something there. But look, wow, 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 wow. That is the signature game of the season, everybody. You know, unless this team makes the playoffs and wins a playoff game, that is the signature win of the 2023 season. Welcome, your Green Bay Packers. Holy cow. So let's do this. Let's look at the uh, the two-point conversion thing here. Let's find out what the situation called for. First of all, the 49ers thing, I was, I was going back trying to look for it. Um, so we lost, so this was... 2019 is when the 49ers freaking dominated us. We lost, so we were 13 and 3, but the 49ers dominated us 37 to 8. We saw them again in the playoffs. They beat us 37 to 20. Next year in 2020, we saw the San Francisco 49ers, and you're right. The assumption was we're going to get freaking smoked. We're going to get dominated. In fact, we lost two of our last three games against Minnesota and the Buccaneers. It wasn't looking great. We just lost 38 10 to the Buccaneers. Uh, three weeks ago, beat the Texans and lost to the Vikings. Now we're going to San Francisco. It's just uh, not a great feeling. We beat them 34-17. to 17. That was in 2020. Um, all right, let's look at it, because I haven't done this yet. We can actually look at 
fourth down and the two-point conversion and see what the math says. I just got to find those plays. All right, so we had fourth and one from the Detroit 14. That was in the second quarter at the very top. It was 15 minutes left, and we were up 20 to 6. So in the fourth down situation, it does say to go for it, despite being up 14 points. There is a plus 5.5% win probability if you go for it. So your success rate, so this is actually really cool. I'm glad I found this and I will keep this forever. Because I just referenced this, like, you know, I mentioned field goals aren't 100% and going for it and getting it is is also not zero per, or whatever the thing is. There is a 94% success rate that 94% chance you make the field goal, a 64% chance that you convert the fourth down. The big difference, though, is the you have a 58% chance of winning if you kick and make the field goal. You have a 67% chance of winning if you convert the fourth down. So, and again, you, you I know you said you were fine with it. You just didn't like the call, but I, I did want to address that. I didn't get into it because everything's been so positive, so there's no point in bringing up old fights or whatever, but Getting back to the question of like what to call, and I and I know everybody's different, everybody's got their own thing, and I don't want to pick on anybody in particular, but do you remember recently when I had commented about there was a attempt on a fourth down where we tried to run to the outside, and it was annoying because I don't mind going for it, but why don't you run up the middle with A.J. Dillon? And my exact comment was, it's possible to run up the middle and lose two yards. We did it earlier in the game, not on fourth down, but it could have happened. In this game, what did we do? A.J. Dillon up the middle. What happened? No gain. He got hit basically in the backfield and fell forward for no gain. There is no perfect call. And again, I don't know what exactly you would have called for or wanted, but the, you know the, the point is, like the one that worked before was a play-action pass to Tucker Kraft that went for a touchdown. The ones that have failed is a run to the outside and a run up the middle. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know. I understand we all have our preferences in terms of how we'd like to handle these situations. I certainly would not have liked to throw a pass to Tucker Craft in that situation. But you know what? We did it, and that's the one that worked. But anyways, let's look at the two-point conversion. And by the way, I just noticed uh, the Lions on the drive, two drives before they scored, they actually went for it on two and got it. So it's sort of responding to that. But let's look at what the math says. So yeah, it does say to kick the extra point, not by a ton, it's just 0.5%. I think the biggest thing, though, is that there really isn't a big difference in win percentage, even if you succeed, right? So if you convert the extra point, you have a 64% chance of winning. It says if you uh, make the two-point conversion, you have a 65% chance of winning. Now, maybe it's just because you have such a high chance of winning anyways, but still, it, it doesn't move the needle very much at all. So it's pretty close to 50-50, but it does say kick the extra point there. Anyways, let's take our final break. We'll get to the last couple calls from Kyle, and we'll see where we go from there. Hey, Kyle from Madison. Completing the trilogy here. I, uh, Maybe I'm still on a sugar high from the pecan pie. You know, it's, it's about 8 o'clock at night here. I'm just getting home to reply here. Uh, can I just say, though, did we just, like, I, I felt like our attitude, it was like we had we out-Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell. <laughs> like, yeah. from Jump Street, yeah. our team was actually the one laying haymakers, fighting, more physical, wanted it more. I mean, the hunger on this team is unbelievable. 
undeniable. The physicality on this team today was undeniable. Lafour's attitude today was undeniable on the sideline. Barry, I mean, everybody looked like an ass kicker today. I'm so proud of this team. I was proud of this team when they were losing, and I thought they showed fight. And, you know, these are the days I truly believe that when you fight to the end, even though when the ship's going down, you're, you're fighting until you're bailing that thing. You're doing your damnedest to keep that thing afloat. That is the stuff that toughens you for the, these kind of games. And, man, I'm proud of this team. And, and they looked like the aggressor. You know, they looked like the team that wasn't backing down. They looked like the team that was 8-2 and two and defending their turf. It was, man, it was, it was shocking, but it was not surprising, I guess is what I'll say. I'm very proud of this team. And also, just on a side note... I'll just call myself out and say I was surprised. <laughs> I wanted to just share, you know, my whole life, the Green Bay Packers have been intertwined in family events. Um, always getting around. I remember all of us watching the game when Favre's dad died. I mean, there must have been 20 family members for that. And so many Christmases, so many playoff games, so many Thanksgivings through the years. And... It's always been, you know, memorable. Usually it's been a good time, but man, I love this team and it's not, I don't, and not just when they're winning, man, I just love them. And I love how in my life, at least like the Packers and family are just linked. Uh, they're like one of the family and they bring us together. And when things are good and life is good with, you know, all my family members and all that goes right the same day. Well, I'm eating freaking turkey and just my loved ones everywhere. I mean, it just, I had to just, you know, thank God, whatever you believe in, what a great day this was. You know, not just for something petty like sports, but just just the whole thing. We had, again, just an amazing day for the best team and best fans on earth. So, good things. Yeah, I mean, it's what it's all about, man. That's why, it's why we don't need super villains. It, it, you're, 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 it's not just about making us miserable because I can just not go on social media. I can block you. I can mute you, whatever. And you're just gone and you don't impact my life whatsoever. So you're very ineffective in your super villainous. Um, it, it's, it's a question of what you're doing to yourself. The vast majority of Packer fans are in a state of bliss. Even the Packer fans who are rooting for draft picks and are really high on the draft or whatever the case may be. And I put myself in that camp as, as somebody who's very interested in the draft and to get excited about it. And, um, you know, the opportunity to get a premier player is exciting and all that. Even our camp is elated right now with, with joy and how good that felt. If you're not allowing yourself to do that, again, you have to find something else to do. Because there, there's there's nothing in this for you. You know, I, I feel like for some people it is, um, I mentioned before how it was a little upsetting that it got to the point where winning was the expectation. And I think for some people it's not just winning, it's the Super Bowl. And the problem is, even when we get there, which could be next year, could be in 20 years, when we win the Super Bowl, it's not going to be the feeling that it should be, which is the ultimate euphoric feeling it's going to be finally. Finally, they did what is expected. And that's just, there's, there's no point. Again, on average, a team is going to win the Super Bowl once every 32 years. That's pretty simple math. 
watching football can't be about the Super Bowl. I know we 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 like to say that's what it's all about. That's the only thing that matters. It can't be. If it is, go do something else. You want to wrap your life around something that only is going to bring you joy once every 32 years? Find a new hobby. Take up origami, dude. You can make something in like a day. You get joy every day. Or cooking. You, you can do three meals a day making something and just get joy out of it. Except when you mess it up and that sucks. But guess what? You can do it again next time. And the more you do it, the more you get better at it. And the less times you're like, dude, I've spent a lot of time putting together this pile of crap. And that's sad. But at least it isn't 32 years before your next good meal felt good. It should feel good. And that, that is a barometer. If that didn't feel good for you, something's broken. Period. Hey, Kyle from Madison. I, I just need to add that the magnitude of this game also, I mean, it doesn't make it like Super Bowl champs or anything, but there is such a huge psychological boom that comes with this game today. I mean, yes. the Lions are thinking, finally, we flipped this freaking division. You know, this thing is firmly ours. And honestly, going into this, I would have agreed with that just from how they were playing. And I've always thought the Packers have the most talent, though. I've been consistent on that. It's just it, it just wasn't looking like it was up to it. So the Lions are thinking they're on freaking cruise control, and we just, I mean, we just devastated the Lions because it's like, uh-oh, now, you know, hold on. This isn't how this is supposed to go. We, you know. Uh, so I think both week one and this week, the Packers really did deal existential blows to our rivals in the division. The Bears seem like they're actually getting their footing, however, but that was a devastating win week one. And this is probably more devastating. I don't know. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, what are they, eight and three? I don't know how devastated you can be about that. But that that's a shockwave game on national television. I mean, it is. I'm not, and I'm not saying we're going to win a championship here soon, you know, next year. But you know, you go into Detroit and do that on Thanksgiving. I mean, that's where legends are made. That was a big game today in front of the whole country, and you just took your opponent, a favorite in the NFC, and you just went in there and took them apart. I know what the score said, but uh, like we know, we 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 took it to them, and it could have been worse. So I, I think that's kind of a. Definitely some people that were hoping we were buried and dead and were shoveling snow on us, or shoveling dirt on us. Took a little notice of that today, I guarantee you, some of our opponents. Um, that was a statement game. And, man, it feels good. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, and that's that's more or less what I was just talking about. It, it's maybe it's Maybe it's foolishness, but it doesn't matter. right? I've, I've already put in the caveats numerous times that, this may be short-lived. Maybe we get stomped out by the Chiefs, and then we go on to be not very good. You know, we beat maybe the Giants and the Panthers and then lose to the Vikings and the Bears or something. Like, I don't I don't know how this is going to turn out. That's not really the question, though. Did you enjoy that game? Like, thoroughly enjoy it? Did, was, was that a borderline euphoric experience? Watching the team that you cheer for dominate a division rival in their own home on, in front of a national audience on a holiday, the team that is currently number one in the division, top dog, took that from you, that claim, then you ripped that crown off their heads in a very violent fashion. Did that bring you joy? Because if, if you're running around right now talking about the Lions are trash, that win wasn't that impressive, people are da 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 If that's your instinct, if you're more upset about the fact that 
Jordan Love supporters feel vindicated today and Brian Gutekunst supporters feel vindicated today, if that annoys you more than, than you're feeling joy, I, again, all I can say is either change it or find something else to do. I don't, I don't know what else to say because it's, it's not about me. I don't know. I, like I said, I don't see it. I haven't seen it. So it's not because you're bothering me. You're not bothering me. I have not seen any of it which actually makes me happy. Again, I've been expecting the negative phone calls. I haven't gotten any. I've been expecting some of the negative comments on social media. I haven't seen any. Maybe it just doesn't exist. Maybe all the Packer fans are excited. That's great. But I'm just assuming that they're out there because they've always been out there. And that's that's all I can say is that was a great feeling. And uh, just allow yourself to be happy because you're missing out. And if the team isn't great, then there's going to be less and less of those kinds of experiences. So learn to enjoy them. Regardless of how the how the season goes the rest of the year, regardless of if Jordan is the guy, regardless of all of that, the only question that matters is, did you enjoy that? All right, let's sneak a Jersey Mike in here real quick, and then we'll get out of here. Hey, Brian, Jersey Mike, listening to the, the podcast this morning, um, Friday after Thanksgiving, and uh, I, just, I just want to mention something to you, because you're angry a little bit. Uh, you're- I'm angry? What did I say? What podcast are you listening to? Well, I'm upset that Rashawn Gary is 50 percent. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that annoys me a little bit. Not on the field for the majority of the game. I don't remember if it was the second or the third quarter. However, Rashawn Gary and I was nervous as all get out, right? I watched him make a tackle or something like that, and it looked like he was a little awkward getting up. And the second he got up, he went sprinting towards the sideline. Now, the camera was looking at, like, I think LaFleur or something like that, or Devontae Wyatt or both of them at the same time. But if you watch, as soon as Rashawn Gary gets to the sideline, like five or six people start staring at him. I think he got hurt. I swear, I think he did. But I think he went on to just finish the game out and said, we'll deal with the injury later. So don't be surprised if Rashawn Gary turns up on the injury report. But he, he got hurt in this game, and that's possibly why they uh, they kept him out for a majority of the snaps, especially towards the end of the game there. Because if you watch, there was a lot of times where you had an Igbare hanging out with Preston Smith. And, and that's not normally how it went. If an Igbare is on the field, it's also Lucas Van Ness with him. But he was playing with Preston because, guess what? We were trying to have the starting defensive front out there, but Rashawn was injured. I'm telling you, I don't know what's going on there. But doesn't that make the story about Rashad Gary a little bit more special? Even with an injury, he goes out and has that kind of game. Oh, man, I'm buying a Gary jersey now. This guy is elite. He is special. I hope he continues it. Go, Pat, go. Yeah, and I mean, and he's been on the injury report. So I, I, I kind of assumed that that played into it without even knowing about what happened on the field. Um I kind of assume that it was a, we're worried about him. My, my whole thing is, I understand you want to keep him fresh and you want to rotate and whatever. I'm, I'm just looking at the last two and a half minutes. I mean, can, can he play or not? Because yeah, th- there was some Kingsley and Preston. There was also some, I think, Kingsley and Rashawn. And there was a ton of Kingsley and Lucas Van Ness. It felt like just a general rotation to me. And I'm, listen, I'm sure that the injury is playing into it. Not just that, but, but just in general. But look, at the very least, Preston shouldn't come off the field. But Preston did. And, and that, to me, signals more or less what I need to know. If it was Preston didn't come off the field in the last two and a half minutes, but Rashawn did, maybe. I still am I'm kind of like, I mean, listen, if he can't play, take him off the field. 
If he can play, he needs to play the last two and a half minutes. It's two and a half minutes, dude. What are we talking about here? Seven plays? Less if we get off the field? So, you know, I don't know. But, I mean, you, either way, you're right. Because, again, he's been on the injury report. He is injured. There's no doubt about that. And that is the reason that they're um, having him out there as little as they are. Now, I still think that Joe Barry uses a very heavy rotation. And we've seen that since forever. And the way that it seemed to have worked the entire game is it's basically Rashawn and Preston just wait until third down. And I, I understand the thought process behind it. it we, we saw that a lot. I mean, we were doing that with Zadarius and Preston and Zadarius and Rashawn. It was, you know, we kept them fresh. And then on third down, they came out and just tore stuff up because they haven't hardly played all game. I think that is the epitome of a bend, don't break defense. We're going to wait until we get into a down that actually matters. And then we're going to throw every single thing that we have at you to try to get you off the field. And if you convert, then we back off a little bit, catch your breath, slow down, get them into that situation, you know, try to find a way to get them into that third down and at least medium and then get the boys out there. I don't like it. But again, it seems to be working, so whatever. So I, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I do think Rashawn plays more if he's not injured. Because I, I, at the very least, he's going to be tied with Preston, if not getting the number one snaps. And he's not right now. He's getting the second most snaps behind Preston. So I do think he's on a little bit more of a snap count than some of the other guys. But I also still believe that if he was healthy, he would have been rotated in those last two and a half minutes because Preston was. And that's sort of where the frustration comes in. So... I will I will concede to some degree that not seeing Rashawn is due to injury, but I again I I came into this knowing that Joe Barry has always had a very very heavy rotation, and have been somewhat against that. And uh, whenever it is that Rashawn Gary is fully healthy, I want to start seeing him out there pretty much nonstop. Like Rashawn doesn't come off except to catch his breath once in a while, and then he catches his breath, gets a little bit of water, and gets right back on the field. It's not about third down, f third down, dude. You can say, well, he's not a very good run defender. It's like, first of all, I don't, I don't care. It's, do we think third down is the only passing down? Like, this is a passing league. Everybody passes on first, second, and third down. And by the way, we don't have elite run defenders on this team. Even if you could say Kingsley and Lucas Van Ness and Preston are all better, which I don't think is true, how much better? Because I don't think any of them are very good at it. Preston was supposed to be. Lucas Van Ness was supposed to be. Kingsley seemed like he was going to be. But none of those really have panned out. So, I don't know. I just... I don't want to spend my time complaining because it was a good day and it was a good defensive performance. That's just the one thing that it's like, I really wish we didn't do that so much. I am seeing way too much Lucas Van Ness and Kingsley. And I think that's why we draft as many edge rushers as we have is because we want there to be a rotation. And listen, if we had four Rashawn Garys, I would love it. And I'd be fine with his whatever rotation you want because it doesn't matter. But the gap between Rashawn and Preston is massive. The gap between Preston and Kingsley is massive. And right now the gap between Kingsley and and Lucas is borderline sizable, at least. There's still a gap there. So pretending we just got four guys that we can rotate whenever we want and everything's fine, like, you are out of your freaking mind, if that's what you think. We have one superstar on the entire defense, and he's on the bench, like, 50% of the game. Figure it out, bro. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you guys for your calls. we got plenty more to go. I'm going to start uh, doing some on the regular podcast just so we can get caught up here because I don't want to get behind. Fortunately, we have a long week so we can cover some ground here. But have a good night, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.